This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello and welcome to the I Can Do podcast with Benjamin Lee. We're here to talk about tips and strategies to have an I Can Do mindset when it comes to faith, family, fitness, and food. Let's go. Here's your host, Benjamin Lee. Hello and welcome to another episode of I Can Do. I am Benjamin Lee. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope and pray all is well with you. Well, today we have another special guest on the show. Really excited about this show. Today we have Haley Kilpatrick. Haley Kilpatrick is the founder of the national nonprofit organization called Girl Talk. Girl Talk was founded in 2002 in Albany, Georgia and serves more than 75,000 girls throughout North America and beyond. The organization provides a leadership opportunity for high school girls to mentor middle school girls by leading a Girl Talk chapter in their communities each week throughout the school year. Girl Talk exists to help to inspire all girls to develop the confidence to lead. Haley believes that if girls have the tools to lead a confident life, They will grow into women who support and encourage one another. Girl Talk's goal is to provide the necessary resources at no cost for all girls during their most formative years. Haley's dedication to helping young girls inspired her to write the best-selling book, The Drama Years, posted or published by Simon & Schuster, which is a guidebook for parents and educators to help girls navigate the often difficult transition into adolescence. She is currently leading research and working with thought leaders to help better understand how to address what's coined the confident confidence crisis facing women and girls. Her hope is that her work will help to instill the values that will help girls grow up to become kind, confident women. She serves as a contributor for NBC's Today Show and CNN, has been featured on NBC Nightly News, HLN, and Forbes. Haley received the 2016 National Point of Light Tribute Award and has been named one of Glamour Magazine's 20 Young Women Changing the World Now and People Magazine's All-Star Among Us, among many other honors. She regularly volunteers, contributes, and writes for publications and documentaries that invest in girls. Some of her recent efforts include She Is Without Limits, Hear Me Now, The Body Image Workbook for Teens, Bullying Workbook for Teens, Quiet Influence, and Bully. She is proud to serve on the Boys and Girls Club of America's Smart Girls Advisory Board and have been a founding board member to two nonprofits that she wholeheartedly believes in, I Am That Girl and Team Summer. Haley lives in Atlanta, Georgia with her husband Paul and their daughters Grace and Kate. I am so thankful that Haley agreed to be a part of the show, and I really appreciate all that she does, especially even for my wife, Nikki, as you'll hear about in our conversation here. She's been a great encouragement to me and to so many others, and I know that this conversation 
will be a great encouragement to you as well. Enjoy the show. On the way that she did, I am everything. <laughs> a very wise woman. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. It is. We're everything. Yeah, it's uh, it's been good. It's been uh, it's been an interesting week with uh, with Nikki, you know, having the surgery, and thank the Lord things are going well with her. And uh, my mom, right. she's she's been here with us, and my sister's been here. She's here with us now, but we've just had so much love and uh, attention from so many people, and appreciate you and the rest of the family and all the support that you know so many people have given us. So it's just a part of. It's been a blessing that we've been able to actually get the the. Um, the surgery done during this time. Cause when I went in there, I think they had maybe three outpatient procedures that day. So there's like nobody, there's like hardly anybody. There. Yeah. There's like hardly anybody there. And then after her procedure, she was in the recovery room probably for about 40 minutes. And then I, I got to see her about 20 seconds in the hallway. So, I mean, she was already knocked out. So, but you can't go upstairs. You can't go up to the room. It is, it is, um, yeah, it's just strange times. And my husband works in healthcare and, and they're, you know, he works in an endoscopy suite. So it's considered, you know, non-essential, but it is essential. And they're having to deal with the ebbs and flows there too of, you know, colonoscopies are, you know, essential for a lot of people, but the flow of, of people and the the rules, um, people receiving anesthesia, but then they can't have their, you know, their, designated partner there in the you know in the waiting room so it's um we're all learning that's part of my my tetris comment it's just (laughs) all just learning like okay not here but here this works okay let's try this (laughs) Um, but i'm so grateful that um that this is behind nikki and that the the journey to healing can begin for her she is such a warrior yeah she has and for those who are listening nikki is the one that really connected the two of us with her, with her volunteer work with Girl Talk. So what's going on with Girl Talk? It's not like you had a pretty busy week this week. And what is, what's Girl Talk all about? So we are so blessed to have Vicki's servant part. Um, I'll share a little bit about the background of the organization and, and, and what we're all about and then how we've had to pivot with, uh, with coronavirus here. <laughs> it's been, it's been interesting. So Girl Talk is a, it's a national nonprofit. We serve middle and high school girls. High school girls develop leadership skills while mentoring their younger peers. So middle school girls and guiding them through the most formative years of their lives. Um, I tell parents all the time, formative years can seem a little ambiguous to parents, but those are the Sharpie years, fifth through eighth grade. Um, any woman in your life, any girl in your life can tell you that what happened in her life that helped shape her into who she is, both good and bad, and they have a permanent lasting impression. So our goal and mission at Girl Talk is to equip these young girls with high school mentors who are their primary influencers and help their confidence not peak. And research shows that a girl's confidence peaks at age nine. Mm. That is very daunting as a mother to two girls. Yeah. And it takes women like Nikki Um, who will raise their hand, open their minds and hearts to coming alongside the high school girls and really mentoring them and believing in them that they can um, run what is called a Girl Talk chapter and shape, um, really help shape these young girls' hearts 
and um, make sure that their that their confidence doesn't plateau. Yeah, no, that's fantastic, and that's really that's a what you're doing is really an I can do attitude, and it's really just so impactful to see. I think Girl Talk is in 49 states. Has it hit 50? You are so good. We're looking for <laughs> the people in North Dakota. So yeah, I, I still need to work on we that. Need you. Yeah. So how did you, what was it that, that really led you? I know your mom has had a big impact in your life and I definitely want to talk about her, but what was it that, that got you moving? So to the point that girl talk came to be. So I went from really an inner city magnet school program where we were all just, we were all so close. We did not see, um, we didn't see affluence and poverty. We all just kind of coexisted together and had each other's backs. And I shifted um, in middle school to a college prep school. And both of my parents will tell you, even today, their biggest dream was having three kids know that education was the key. Um, not out of where we were, because every we were all, we're all so proud of, of where we're from, but it was the key to... Um, growth, both spiritually, mentally, and it would um, would always make sure that we, an edu- a great education would always make sure we had opportunities. So I shifted to a private school environment in sixth grade, and it was very different than, um, than what I'd known. And I felt like, um, and at the time, I really did feel like I was the only one who wasn't included or invited or had friends who um, were friends one day and not the other day. And, and as that evolved, it became more of asking bigger questions. And we just kind of talked about these formative Sharpie years. So for anyone listening, if you have a young girl in your life, um, these years are so paramount in knowing who you are, what you stand for, and honestly, how you perceive yourself and the gifts you can offer this world. And for me, just tiny little heartbreak after heartbreak after heartbreak would happen as a result of um, relationships with my peers. And more days I went home um, tear-filled. And I definitely think it made my parents question, we're both working multiple jobs to try to make these sacrifices so you can pursue your education, yet um, your confidence is being crushed. Mm -hmm. And I think now as a parent, looking at how hard that must have been for them um, to witness I didn't have an older sister. I was the oldest. I didn't know this was coming. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I want to just share that I definitely saw, um, saw my confidence nosedive. And the inspiration for Girl Talk was knowing that my sister did have an older sister. And there was mm-hmm. something that I could do about it. And that is the heart of why it started. And, and you know, and Nikki knows that I thought maybe five or six girls would show up and God definitely had bigger plans. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's just so amazing seeing you had this idea. I think it's really fascinating how we can start off with something small and certainly we give all glory to God where something small can turn into, you know, kind of like what Jesus said, you know, giving someone a cup of water, you know, how it can turn into something really big where I think you have about 70,000 girls and yeah. involved or connected with it throughout the world. We closed out this year having served, yeah, it will have been 75,000 girls. Wow. So uh, I was going to ask you another question. You have written a book as well, kind of connected to Girl Talk and these teenage years. Um, I have a couple of questions. How First, why did you decide to write the book and what's the book all about? 
So the drama years is a compilation of about 2,000 hours worth of research, anecdotal research, talking wow. to middle and high school girls, um, girls who are out of high school and now into college, looking back kind of retrospectively, and, um, and some parents, and, and there was a little bit of my journey woven in. Um, it was never, the goal was never a book. We did this research thinking it would help us with our parent workshops and our programming. Uh, as Girl Talk began to grow and we saw that there was a need much bigger than what, what I knew. I mean, I thought this was just a problem in my school, in my little hometown. And as my eyes began to be opened, realized that girls all over the country and the world struggled during these years. And how can we find some common themes, things that parents were doing that were right, that girls were doing that were right? What was working in this age where technology was starting to grow and become more rampant in our worlds and especially in our young girls' lives? And uh, so we did 2,000 hours worth of research and our findings, there were three key findings and I'm happy to share, but sure. it, um, that just lit a fire in me and I'm like, <laughs> you have to share this. Yeah. So it too started with this small idea. And when um, when that's combined with with the story that God's already written for our lives, beautiful things happened. Um, yeah. we, we pitched it to three publishers, Simon & Schuster, um, grabbed it up. And Great. we launched um, our first day was on the Today Show and it was <laughs> a book tour. And when um, when God's hand is in it, like I said, just things yeah. that don't have the explanation happen. And um, it will definitely it will definitely um, serve as a highlight of my career. Yeah. Well, I love the idea. You know, we're start, starting small. I think about the story with the with the Israelites and how God told them, you know, they, they weren't going to get the land in a year but he was going to give it to them little by little. And I, I like that mindset of, of little by little. Uh, I'm always curious with books. So from start to finish, how long was the process? So I know you did all this research. <laughs> you got all fired up. And like, we have to share this. So from start to finish, how long did that take to, to get it out uh, in the bookstores? So I signed the contract the week before our wedding, which was okay. the first week in October, 2010. Yeah. Um, and we did have a lot of the research done on the front end. Um, and then the book launched April 4th, 2012. So a year and a half later, so it was on bookshelves. Um, and it was a really, you know, it's a tedious task, but we had a great team and that is the gift of having a a publisher and a team of editors. And um, we had a lot of girls, we had parents and girls serving, um, would come into the office and give us feedback, but I think you are a shining example. You you are destined to be an author. Nikki and I pray about it. We're already <laughs> praying about it. Um, but you know, it's one of those things where when you when you feel like you um, you learn something that is unique that is not already out there, and you can bring that to to, to light. Yeah. Um, it is it's, it almost becomes very convicting, and you're like, okay, I, I have an obligation here. So, yeah, you have to do it. Really powerful. Yeah, I've heard I've heard uh, authors, you know, when you get to that point and it's just like you can't contain it, you have to write it. You know, it doesn't matter if you have to stay up late every evening or work or wake up early. It just has to come out of you. So, all right, I have to ask you another question connected to to books. And maybe you can give us a sneak peek if there is a sneak peek. Um, are you working on any new projects, any new books? 
<laughs> Good question. <laughs> uh, uh, the, the, the main books that I'm um, working on are reading to my little people right now. <laughs> um, because it's involved. Uh, I will tell you, my, the research that I felt compelled to share and have been working on for several years now are around the confidence crisis facing young girls and what we as parents can do to help them, teachers and administrators, but also the, the power of peer mentoring and um, really doing a deeper dive on that. Whether it will become a published book, only God knows, but I do know that, that we really are um, finding a correlation with technology, a young girl's mental health, and then also um, her confidence. So yeah. there, um, there is something there. Um, I do it. I, it's really a passion project and, and dive in and, and into that when I feel drawn to it. Um, but no active book writing in the process. <laughs> <laughs> it was worth a shot. How about you? Well, you know, I have, uh, I've kind of been on a journey too, and I want to talk a little bit about this confident crisis. So I have, tr I, you know, I've created some books, I've created some motivational coloring books, my, all of the things that I've created have been based upon faith, family, fitness and food. I know that all four of those are important to you as well. So, you know, it's been motivational type stuff and writing. The reason why I was asking about the books too, because I'm always impressed with someone who's able to, to produce one. It's just one of the hardest things to do. So I was in this uh, particular group where I was getting some coaching with writing and, and some other skills uh, and I still do a little bit of writing, but I've slowed down like on my blogs that I think I've written about 500 and some of those are long, some of those are short, but I think my strong suit is with public speaking. So I've been doubling down on public okay. speaking and I've been doing, getting some coaching actually through ultra speaking. There's a website, uh, ultraspeaking.com and there's uh, two guys there, Michael and Tristan. Uh, so they have really helped me out these last four, four and a half months. So I don't know. I've kind of laid the, yeah, I've kind of laid the writing to the side. It's, um, it's, it's hard to do. And that's why I'm always curious, you know, how, how do people get all of this out and how long does it take? Because it's so easy, I think, to get in this trap of, you know, you see these ads and you see all these different programs that are out there. Hey, you can write a book in 30 days. I don't know. Yeah, maybe no you can. I don't know. Maybe maybe some can't people can. <laughs> yeah, maybe you can. But I'm just really, it's a big deal to to be able to to have something published like that. So job well done. I wanted to ask you. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say that is all gone because there's there's yeah. not an earthly explanation for that. But I'm. <laughs> Um, about you and, and speaking, but I also, I don't know, there's definitely something um, yeah. in the literary world that's got your name on it. You just yeah. have such a gift. Well, I appreciate that. That means a lot to me. And um, I'll put that in my cookie jar. I don't know if I told you about my cookie jar. My cookie <laughs> jar, <laughs> so I read this actually from a book, uh, David Goggins. He was a ex-Navy SEAL guy. And he's got a book out. Somebody gifted gifted it to me. Um, it does have some language in it, but it um, one of the big things I took out of that was the cookie jar. So he has been, you know, he has weighed as much as 300 pounds in the past. He's this ultra marathon runner, you know, he'll run wow. 50 miles or 100 miles. But there was one big thing that I took away from from my from that book. And one of the things I've been trying to do 
I've been trying to go back to books that have really had like a big impact on me. So going back and trying to figure out what, what made this book so unique. So the one thing or one big thing that I took out of that, if I'm remembering correctly, I've been doing it now, has been the cookie jar. So the cookie jar, there could be compliments in the cookie jar. There can be different accomplishments that I've, that I've done in the cookie jar. And it can be from, you know, you go all the way back to grade school if you want to, you know. But little things like that to build, to build my confidence or to, to maintain it. You and I understand, you know, what, what the Bible teaches, like in Colossians 2, how we are complete in Christ. And yet, you know, reminding ourselves of some of these, some of these things that we've done or some of the accomplishments that we've done. And I think sometimes we get so, we go so fast. And this is something I've been really working on. We go so fast, you actually forget what you've actually have done. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a part of, I think it's, it's the journey. It's, 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 it's humility and yet humbling at the same time. You know, I think as we grow, we start to, to really learn that um, our lives are meant to glorify God. And it's so much less about us, but at the same time in that journey, um, you can have moments of loneliness and self doubt. I think it's just that true spiritual warfare of, spirit and um, anytime I get a card or a word of affirmation I save it in a in a drawer in the in the living room and very seldomly but there are times where I'm just like I just need to be reminded that (laughs) that that I matter or that this matters or to to just to continue to go out and try to be a light so I love the cookie jar concept yeah implement um within the family as well yeah well, the confident crisis, confidence crisis, let's talk about that for a little bit. With uh, So the last time you and I talked, we talked a little bit about social media. I don't think I had done it at that time, but since then, so I've deleted all my social media accounts. Did I tell you about that? You were in process. Um, <laughs> I was Instagram at the time. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, so it's... an update. Yeah, so the last, it's been about a month now, and Nikki, my wife, she deactivated her Facebook account. So this last month has just kind of been this eye-opener for us, and I don't know, it's always a little dangerous kind of talking about this, because on one hand, it could come off kind of kind of preachy, uh, and then I get on a soapbox, but the reason why I'm sharing this is with a confidence crisis, there have been women... Um, that have reached out to my wife, you know, just saying, you know, man, I'm, I'm actually somewhat jealous that you've gotten off of social media and they've shared with her, you know, some of the struggles. And it's just got me thinking a lot more, especially with our young people. I know Facebook may not be like the big thing. I know other ones like TikTok and Instagram may be a little bit bigger for the younger generation, but I just, I just feel better. Like this past month, if that makes sense, I just feel better, you know, mentally, and I just feel like I'm slowing down more. And it's so easy to kind of get trapped into. And I know you're 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 the type of person I'm sure that wants to help as many people as possible. I mean, with everything you've done with Girl Talk, but with social media, and you help me out here, it feels like you know there's always something you have to say or something you have to do or someone you have to help, and it's just not feasible. You know, it's not feasible where we're chasing so many things. And, and, you know, what I told Nikki most recently, I said, you know, we've been chasing so much 
And it's time that we chase one another even more. Um, and we could say the same thing truly about God, you know, if we, if we really talk about that. But uh, what do you think are your, what are your thoughts, uh, feelings with social media and the, and the connection with the confidence crisis? So we, I can tell you with certainty, we've seen a correlation in young girl's confidence if she has just even an Instagram account or not. Mm. Um, and then as a woman, if I can even remove myself from girl talk here, and as a mom of two girls, five years old and two years old, um, the feelings um, that I feel if I'm really actively being self-aware when I'm on, when I'm scrolling through Instagram and for me, Facebook, I don't tweet just for context. Don't tweet. I don't have a TikTok account. Yeah. Um, and I don't snap. Snapchat. <laughs> I, I'm definitely like a grandma in the social media world, mm. but um, there is a direct correlation just even personally. So when you dive in to a young girl's world and her relationship with social media and we just, you know, we've talked twice now about a girl's most formative years. You're seeing everyone at their best. Um, and then you're also tapped into um, not just a lack of community of believers, but you're getting people making fun of it. Um, mm -hmm. So I think spiritually it becomes very confusing and challenging. Yeah. And the end result um, is probably the most staggering in what we found in our research yeah. Um, and that is apathy. Mm. People, and especially young girls, just are worn down. They don't know what to believe. They don't know who to believe. Um, and they're seeing everything that is beautiful, look this way, feel this way. And now they have ads marketing to them. And there becomes this real, like, dystopia, right? Like, you just, you're, you're connected more than ever, but yet so disconnected in the ways that really matter. And I think when I look into my life introspectively and as a believer, the way God designed us is to be community oriented, to be in community, to need one another. Um, and there was only so much we could, if we were in a smaller community at a time where we needed each other. And, um, and this is the way it used to be. You weren't hearing at all hours of the day every major tragedy that was happening in the world on top of this, right? You didn't hear yeah. earthquake over here and the tsunami over here and, you know, sex trafficking over here. And, you know, I mean, I could go on and on and on. This is, you know, massive hurricane down there. And I mean, you're yeah. just constantly hearing um, things that previously would we would have really only heard about when they were impacting us. So when you try to go back to the way it used to be, and I know we're not there yet. I mean, not, not there yet. we're so far from there um, now, but when you go back to how are we able to, to, to maintain healthy relationships, marriages, and, and keep our kids healthy and not struggling with mental illness, yeah. it was to not be as connected to people that we cannot be in community with. Mm. And I think there's really something to this. And so when we look at girl talk, it is community. You show up in person, you love these girls, yeah. you champion them, you celebrate them. Doesn't mean we can't be in community with people um, just like you and me or Nikki, like that we can't be in community, but we're, we're bounded through our, our spiritual beliefs as well. Um, but I will say it is not healthy, the toll that social media is taking in, in girls' worlds. And it is 
no secret that the people who are running and creating this in Silicon Valley, yeah. their kids are in low tech schools and well, not it, actively on devices. So, I mean, well, yeah. Yeah, and that's so crazy, too, because you said a couple of things. I remember an article by Steve Jobs or a comment, I guess, years ago, and he was being interviewed about, you know, the lack of use that his kids have with iPads. So it's it's, it's fascinating how the people who create these things, they also understand it. But you said something else, and I want to share something else, too, that you used the word celebrate. I think there's something important there. That's part of that that cookie jar, mm-hmm. and that's part of what I know you guys are doing at Girl Talk, where you're you're celebrating other people, um, but even individually, that's the challenge sometimes with social media because you just feel like you're not doing enough, you're not accomplishing enough, you're not measuring up enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not I don't know strong enough, whatever the case may be, and there's something there about taking a step back and really celebrating your victories. I don't think we probably do that as much where we acknowledge, all right, you know what? I worked out five days this week. That's a, that's a big deal. Or, you know, you had, you, you had all of these conferences or, or whatever the case may be. I, you know, I was talking to Nikki about this and I read this article about the addictive nature of social media. So I said, okay, I want you to imagine this for a moment. I want you to imagine that there's this new supplement available. More than half the world is taking the supplement. Mm -hmm. Everybody, you know, is seeing some great success with this supplement. And you certainly don't want to miss out on taking it because everybody else is doing it. However, there are some side effects. There are some things you need to be aware of. It can be very addictive. Even though it's free, it can be very addictive. In fact, it's just as addictive as cocaine. Mm -hmm. I think it's a hundred percent more addictive. (laughs) It's unbelievable. (laughs) You know, would we want to take something like that or give it to our kids? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, being it in our own lives and to think that we would give it to our kids, it's, it's so hard. And I'm going to add another little twist to this. Uh, Last summer, well, it would be summer 2018 for our summer camp. Girl Talk has a summer camp, and we asked the girls um, their career aspirations. Mm -hmm. So summer 2018, Nikki was here. Um, We had three girls list that they aspired to be an influencer. Mm -hmm. Three out of 150. 2019, 12 months later, out of our 150 girls, 86 of them aspired to be an influencer, full-time career professional aspirations. So we look at how rapidly this is changing our youth. And I look at some of my quote friends who have gone down the influencer path and I can see its appeal. I can understand its temptation, but similar to your approach um, with social media, I have really really dialed back and there are parts of me that kind of grieve like this you know connection and the good that could come through the good that did come through it I totally get um, that yeah but the trade-offs I mean I joke and I'm like I could just post one picture of the girls and be super excited about it but it it 
reminds a whole, whole group of people, hey, I need to touch base or hey, I need to call and, and your emails start coming in when you're trying to be present. Yeah. And you're like, if I not posted that one picture, they would not have even yeah. you know, thought of me. Okay, so then you, you shift in this influencer culture. Yeah. How really are these people? Some of them my friends and then some who I follow. Yeah. How are they really actively maintaining healthy spiritual lives, yeah. um, healthy marriages, and to their kids when I can have direct access to their Insta stories that documents every single part of their day. Is it filtered? Is it reality? Is it, is her husband okay with this? Are the kids, is the money just too tempting? And then you really start to ask them these deeper questions that our sixth, seventh, eighth graders who are aspiring to be influencers don't even know to ask. And that it's a rhetorical, I mean, we would pose a rhetorical question here, but the last time we talked, we just said, you know, we've got to remember that there are no norms. To, so to your supplement analogy, we had Vioxx come onto the market and it was like hailed as this just unbelievable anti-inflammatory and was ultimately responsible for what I believe was over 60,000 60, deaths. Wow. Um, and it was rapidly pulled off the market. But I think that we have to remember that things can become to market and be hailed as champions, but what are the long-term effects? Yeah. At what cost are we willing to do this? And I just want to commend you and Nikki for just yeah. very consciously living and choosing to live an intentional um, life, intentional yeah. lives, but in your in your role as parents and especially in your marriage. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. And I try to, you know, be upfront as I can be, you know, where I don't think it would be an overstatement, you know, to say that certainly there were, um, that, you know, that I was addicted to it where it just kind of, it just becomes, you know, you want to check it before you go to bed. You want to check it when you wake up. And I went from, you said something there about being sad or lonely or, you know, kind of missing out on the good things There are good things. There have been good things that have come to me from social media where, cause I think when I was on Instagram, I reached out to you via Instagram to ask you if you'd be on the show. And, you know, so, and I've, I've connected with other people too, but, I've been off because I've been called like the Facebook hypocrite because uh, I've deleted and then gone back and forth a few times. And the, the last few times that I did it, I felt sad. I really felt sad. Like I was missing out on something. Yeah. Now this time though, it, I almost went to a feeling of being mad where it's just kind of like, okay, I've given so much of my time and I've uploaded 632 photos and I haven't even appreciated the photos that I have. So it's just been a, it's just kind of been something, this journey that we've been on and, and Nikki kind of had a, an epiphany with going through some things as well and, and really celebrating some of the things that she's done the last seven years. We, you just kind of get in this cycle, if not careful, where you don't really take that time to say, oh, wow, wait a second. I don't have to keep, you know, looking for more likes or shares or follows or whatever the case may be. And yeah. our brains are formed enough to know that and see how addictive it is to all of us. I'm right there with you. I will gladly, yeah. not proudly, but gladly admit <laughs> that, it is, that it is a daily struggle. However, um, our kids' brains are not, they're not fully formed. Yeah. Um, girls and boys. And to, to, to have access to this is something that, um, has, as you know, it's become a passion and seeing that direct correlation to a girl's confidence. I feel that sense of obligation, like we talked about, like to yeah. 
to dive in and to see what what is the truth here and what um, and what do we need to do as parents to make sure we yield healthy kids? Yeah. Do, do you have a few more minutes? Oh, yeah. Okay. So I know your mom has had a big impact in your life. Incredibly. Talk to us a little bit about how your mom has been so influential. I know your parents, you know, were really big with education, but um, I know she's a special woman. Um, what can you share with us about mom? Yes. So my mom prefers to go by the name of Gogo. This <laughs> child, um, she proudly claimed that name and to know her is to love her. Um, Gogo is so fitting. Yeah. Uh, and she came from challenging past and she won. She was the youngest of three. Both parents worked um, late. She had to figure a lot of things out on her own. She remember getting off the school bus and having to make her own dinner and do her homework and, um, so I, I really commend her and my dad when they got married, they were both relatively young. They had all three children, um, my mom before the age of 28, my dad before oh. the age of 30, but together they wanted to be intentional about the type of parents they wanted to be. They, they very humbly admitted they didn't have the right answers. They didn't have solid examples for the most part, um, in, in, in their own lives growing up that could point them to the Lord and they, they valued education and they also wanted to raise kids who would grow up to be functioning <laughs> and successful <laughs> adults. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they were like whatever that combination is, we are going to commit together to, to being that. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's so important to point out because my mom was not that, you know, famous. We talked about helicopter mom she worked so hard and, and it didn't, it was not easy for them to send all three of us to this college prep school. But okay. I will tell you that she had this figure it out mentality. Like you've got to figure it out. But one of the most pivotal points in my life was a conversation I had with her in third grade. Mm-hmm. I came home from school devastated mm-hmm. that one of my best friends um, in my class Uh, got his name on the board because he didn't have the right um, school supplies. Mm -hmm. And I knew, and so several of my peers knew that, um, that his family could not afford them. Yeah. And I knew that this was wrong. Um, I felt a deep sense of conviction and went home and told my mom about it. And my mom asked me, she was cooking dinner. It was just, it was chaotic. She'd had a long day at work, but she made time to listen and hear my heart. And I shared the story and she said, Haley, what are you going to do about it? Mm -hmm. Are you going to do about it? And I remember this vividly looking at her saying, I'm eight. I'm eight (laughs) years old. Like, what do you want me to do about it? Like, you're my mom. Can you just fix this? And in my mind, I thought maybe she should call the principal or she should call the teacher or she should take me to Target and help me get a notebook. And so I could give it to Robert and a stack of paper, you know, <laughs> and that I could make sure that this didn't happen again. Mm-hmm. And yet she didn't problem solve for me. And she knew that and really truly believed that my eight-year-old self um, could figure it out. So I came back and we had this vision um, and listed my brother and sister to have this lemonade stand and money was tight. But she spent a lot more on our lemonade stand supplies. <laughs> she would have just getting me a stack of notebook, <laughs> notebook. Yeah. Um, and we wanted to raise money um, not just to help make sure that my friend Robert had um, school supplies, but that other kids could too. We thought 
whoa, we raised 80, I think it was like $86. There's 86 here. Theme. We had an $86, uh, you know, profit, actually. We reimbursed the supplies and we, we uh, the cost of supplies and we, we got our school to allow us to have this little room where yeah. you, um, the $86 would, would help offset any expenses that kids who couldn't afford school supplies could go and, and kids who could afford it could spend money and we would do a little tiny mm-hmm. markup so it accumulate. But what, um, what was I going to do about it? You know, Gogo's famous words. And, um, and that was the theme in my life. And specifically when, um, when I did not want my sister to have the same middle school experience as I did. And, um, and again, my 10 and 11 year old brain, then my 13 and 14 year old brain just thought, Oh, I should change schools or my sister should go to a different school or, um, you know, we should help, you know, Kelly have more friends by doing A, B, and C. And my mom just, um, you know, very humbly, but, but sternly said, what are you going to do about it? And with that, her kind of forcing me back into problem solve is a big part of why Girl Talk was born. And um, that theme has played out throughout my life, not just with the book, um, but as a parent too. And I feel myself taking some of those core values, if not all of them, um, that she and my dad were determined to instill in us. And that's a deep rooted faith, a love for learning, um, compassion for other people and the ability to problem solve and to function as a, as an adult. (laughs) No, I love that. Uh, This whole idea, what are you going to do about it? That's such a great mentality to, to instill into our children. I had a, had this organization called Appian Media. I talked to them last week on, on my last podcast. And one of the guys, Dan Kingsley, had talked about, he had shared a story of a young boy. He may have been eight or nine years old. And he saw, he just saw some homeless people. And, <clears throat> you know, he, he did something about it. He started making peanut butter sandwiches. And so it's just really, it's just really cool to see how it, we don't have to be a certain age. We don't have to be an influencer. And that's something else too, Haley, I've been really thinking about more where I'm actually getting more comfortable where, you know, you can, it almost feels like you have to impact everybody all at once, which you, you know, you can't, I know I can't, but that's what it feels like, or that's what I even want to do at times. But if I can start with one person, if I can start with my family, most importantly, right. With my wife and my son, and then just kind of keep moving from there like with what your mom, you know, gave to you. That's such a, such a powerful gift. So I really appreciate you sharing that story. I love that story. And the Lord's going to open the right doors. I mean, we yeah. had dial up internet when Girl Talk was started. <laughs> you know? There was no influencer culture or Instagram. And, yeah. um, and God, he, I mean, he's so sovereign and he, he knew yeah. what girls needed well before I did. Um, I think we just have to be obedient and um, we'll listen and have a heart posture to the Lord. And I, and I, I will add to that. Um, you talking about one person just reminds me of one of my favorite sermons from Andy Stanley and it's do for one, what you wish you could do for everyone. Mm. And I think that that message has probably been 10 years, if not longer since I, I, I heard it. But, um, but in this age of social media and us questioning, is it adding more to our lives than it's taking where we're really, we're asking the tough questions, the real glue that holds our communities together. And when our communities are held together, so are our states and our country, right? And being that glue, being a light, that little precious little boy making peanut butter and jelly (laughs) homeless people in his community, that is the glue, right? And so when we really focus on how can we serve 
our families? How can we serve our communities? How can we show up and, and be able to glorify God, not ourselves? Um, I really think that is, that is where God meets us. And if our efforts are meant to multiply with his help, they do in a way that social media never could. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. You mentioned the word addition. I want to talk about the word subtraction. Mm. So one thought that I have in mind is you're married. You have two kids. You have this nonprofit, which is rocking and rolling. So I always like to ask people, like, how do you do it? All right. So you're, you're getting so much done. Do you have any methods or thoughts or anything like that? Like when it comes to saying no, or when it comes to guardrails, because obviously I know, you, you know, there's only so much we can do. So how have you been able to kind of navigate? Cause that's, that's been something I've really been thinking out, thinking about more the fear of missing out and really just kind of diving into that more, because I think that has a big impact on us in a variety of ways what type of guardrails or methods, whether it's, you know, saying no in a gentle way or, you know, how do you navigate all the different opportunities that you have? I will tell you, it took me a long time to learn, but to use prayer as the greatest filter in my life, um, praying about it. And when you are actively walking with the Lord, when someone asks you to do something and you pray about it and you, you get a clear no, I have found that that is the most loving way to tell someone I have prayed about it. And there's, it is not for me. It's meant for someone else. And that comes from a very authentic place. It took me a very, (laughs) took me a long time. I know I have, I'm 34, but it took me a long time to get there. um, And to not want to say yes for the pleaser in me to want to say yes. Um, Really, truly praying about everything and knowing that God does want us to actively walk with Him, and even though it's not some major issue or some, there's not some fire to put out, um, coming to Him and seeking His wise counsel and guidance and the little things equips me and armors me to be able to go to Him with the bigger things. Yeah. Um, and I will tell you that that is that is that is that is the greatest weapon. Um, yeah. Um, for, for, for just kind of holding back, holding the lines here with our family. Um, I have had to learn to delegate and let go, um, of things, even if they were things that I once loved and had to step into aspects of girl talk that maybe not my favorite or my greatest strengths, like development and fundraising and, um, less of the creative programmatic sides. And then there are seasons where becoming a mom has brought clarity, um, having two girls specifically. And I've, I know I've shared with you, but not with, um, with your listeners, but we also had a foster daughter first who was a teenager who's now in college. So getting to see this from multiple seasons yeah. um, in a young girl's life, I know that it was a gift that, that the Lord gave me kind of a peek behind the curtain of what middle and high school girls are going through. And I mean, I, I, if anything, I got the greatest manual on what, what not to do. Um, and so it's allowed me to be a much more active, present wife and mom to girl, to our girls and to know that the greatest gift I can give them is love and time. And so it makes my nose a lot easier when I know that I am making a really solid investment in their confidence, their heart and their spiritual development now that will bear fruit in the future. So it does make my nose easier. Mm -hmm. And if anything, um, 
you know, without getting, without getting, without just totally losing it, um, being a part of a small community and going to um, funerals of women who have lived great mm. lives. Um, I walk away from some of those, some having incredible careers, even here in Atlanta, incredible careers, professional accolades. But the ones where I walk out feeling changed are the ones where their kids get up and they talk about how their parents loved the Lord and served other people humbly. And that is so yeah. simple. And if I could back into the, the last days of my life and have, and have my kids be able to say that about me, yeah. um, there really is no greater success. So it starts to make all the noise fall apart. And it, I mean, just, it falls to the wayside and yeah. the subtracting becomes easier because my goal um, is that the, on this side of heaven that this is so this is so temporary and if we can just love others really really well um, God's going to light our path yeah I really appreciate you sharing that and your vulnerability with that that that's uh, really powerful and I totally agree with what you said you know funerals put everything into perspective and it's hard sometimes talking about uh, death um, and just the future but, you know, I've been thinking about that more. And uh, you said you're 34. I'll be 42 uh, this month. So I kind of, you know, there's this book I read that had a big impact on me. It's called uh, Halftime. So I kind of like looking at life. It's called Halftime. It was really good. I kind of like, I kind of look at life like a, like a basketball game. So like when I turned 40, that was me going into the locker room, right? It's halftime. Yeah. I need to make some, uh, some in-game adjustments. Oh, I love it. Yeah, and now we're in. Now I'm in the third quarter. So you're you're still in the second quarter. You got like six minutes <laughs> left in the second quarter. Yeah, fun locker room. <laughs> so, but it it really does put a lot of things into perspective. So let me ask you a couple more questions, if I can. What what book has had a a big impact on you? Uh, I mentioned earlier. You know, I have one of the biggest books that had a big impact on me was Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. One of my doctors gave me the book and the impact that it had was the rich dad surrounded himself with people who were smarter than him. So when I thought about getting into preaching full time, this is back in 2008. Uh, I heard about this opportunity in Beaumont, Texas, and there were two preachers there that I think had about 50 or 60 years of preaching experience. So I said, well, they know a little bit more. They know a lot more than I do. So I want to, I kind of want to be like that rich dad, surround myself with people smarter than me. So, uh, and I somehow gave that book away and I, I found it two weeks ago at this store for like 25 cents. I bought it again because I'm, I'm now going back. I want to think about all these books. So if there's a book that's had an impact on you or something that just sticks out, uh, what book might that be? So that's an easy answer. Um, Elizabeth Elliot, A Path Through Suffering. Mm. She wrote it in the early 90s, and she was a missionary. Um, her story is a beautiful one. There's actually a film um, about her journey. But she so deeply rooted in truth and talks about the really the gifts of suffering mm. and had a feeling you were going to ask this question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
there it dog, is. So I dog-eared, um, I think, probably the wisest words that we as you know Christians can offer people in times of suffering and suffering looks differently for all of us um the film is called the sharp end of the spear if anyone's mm. interested um i'm gonna read it um it says if the cross is the place where the worst thing that could happen happened it is also the place where the best thing that could have happened happened ultimate hatred and ultimate love met on these two cross pieces of wood suffering and love were brought into perfect harmony. Mm. Mm. And I just find that so humbling because when we think we're dealing with our darkest days or our toughest times, often we look back on that and that's where we really feel true sanctification or we feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. Um, and lots, and as we move beyond that time, we long for that closeness of community, um, Mm. and connection to God. And so Mm -hmm. I think that in this season of a pandemic, Um, our fight for racial justice and an election year on top of that. And if you're like me in Atlanta, the land of CNN, the CDC, we just had pride month. It's pretty confusing times around here. And there you see a lot of suffering, a lot of heartache. And um, I found myself going back through this book on, in so many occasions, um, it just, it really encourages us to ask the Lord to teach us, help us learn and to, um, to find just as much peace in the storms as we, as we do in the the sunshine. And we've we've heard the valley and mountaintop analogy, but just to really know that our, to be so solid in our faith that we are not wavered during the challenging times. And, um, and I'm just constantly asking him, teach me, what am I supposed to be learning in this time? So yeah. through suffering, um, the subtitle is discovering the relationship between God's mercy and our pain. Yeah. And um, yeah, I keep just, it's one of those that I just keep going back to over and over and it helps me find peace um, and not um, as you and I both say, we are doers and like we're problem solvers and we have that, what are you going to do about it? And go, go in my head. And sometimes these problems the world is facing, it, it, it's hard for me to find a sense of peace and not get in my head and really understanding that God is sovereign and that there is beauty in this pain and suffering that's happening. And I can just actively pray and love the people in my life. Yeah. Really well. Yeah. And I appreciate you sharing that. It's been interesting too, because I've had a lot of conversations with people recently about suffering. Yeah. I'm going to do a sermon called if why and where those yeah if why and where those were questions by this man named uh, Gideon in the book of Judges in Judges chapter six and one of the things that I try to do Haley when I study with people uh, particularly with this subject on suffering someone reached out to me and I sent them three sermons Uh, and my sermon outlines, because they were talking to someone or wanted to talk to someone or needed to talk to someone about suffering, where there's some doubts now about God and does, you know, why is God allowing these things to happen? But that's the first place, like, I want to take people, I want to take people back to the cross, where God, you know, he allowed his son to suffer. And if he allowed his son to suffer, then then there should be some expectation as well that there there's going to be some suffering for us here. And 
that, that may sound a little bit harsh, but it, it's something for us to think about because, you know, Jesus is our example. In fact, we know that's what the Bible teaches in the New Testament. You know, you will, you will be persecuted. The godly will be persecuted. And I can't remember who made the quote or who said this, but I really love it. They said, suffering does not make you unique. Mm. How you respond to suffering is what makes you unique. That is so, yeah. so, so true. And should we not be teaching that to our kids? I mean, through our actions, not just our words. Yeah. Um, because it is. And, and think of, I mean, and look, I, this is not like by any stretch to, to like toot my own horn here. Horn here, but the suffering that I experienced as a 10 year old, had I not experienced that as an 11 year old and a 12 year old, and it was suffering that paled in comparison to global suffering, right? Like was so tiny, but the Lord was so at work in that. Had it just been this happy go lucky, you know, experience, had I not been the highly sensitive person that I am, that God created me to be, um, I would have never been the one that he chose to help just create a tiny part of, of the solution. So I don't say that to, for me, but more to glorify his ultimate plan and call for our lives. And Ephesians 2.10 is just what I cling to mm-hmm. and that we are, we are masterpieces created in God's image, but truly um, he created us for good works before we were, before we were ever born. And so when you think about that, you're like, wow, we really are walking this path that he planned for us. And he will use our suffering just as much as he will use our victory for his glory. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. You got, yeah, you got me fired. I want to know, will you you send me your sermon notes? So if, what, or if, why, and where? If, why, and where? And, and, and Gideon, um, we just studied him in the faithful, um, which is a study and it was just, um, how the Lord has a plan and he will find you. And when you least expect it. And yeah. Yeah. And I, the interesting thing, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll stop here because I'll, I'll keep going and uh, <laughs> oh, make me go back to Judges chapter six. Well, where can people find you and how can people support Girl Talk? So uh, Girl Talk's website is mygirltalk.org. And everything anyone would need to know about bringing a chapter to your community is on our site. You would click start a chapter. I think it's definitely worth noting that there are no strings attached. It is 100% free. Um, We seek volunteers like Nikki, your wife, who served as an advisor. The the time commitment is about two hours a week. Um, And we have, we need at least one high school girl and at least one middle school girl and a space to meet. Um, and we have found that um, it's pretty powerful if you can just promote it and invite middle school girls to come. And we have summer programs, leadership programs, scholarships, all of that information can be found on our site. And we do have some social media pages. Girl Talk Inc. is our Instagram. We try to make it a, a worthy destination, especially for middle school and high school girls to be yeah. good and positive information yeah. uh, org, completely free and how you can support the mission um, through your time through volunteering as an advisor um, being there and loving the middle school girl in your life even if she's not under your roof who do you know how can you take an active role in being there for her 
Um, You can share if you have gifts and in-kind talents. You can speak at a local chapter. You can reach out to us. Um, As a nonprofit, we always have needs. (laughs) Um, And um, if if you feel so um, led to donate, we have Donate Now, and it costs us about um, $10 per girl for an entire school year to support her. Uh, 36 weeks throughout the school year. So we're super yeah. very proud of that. Yeah. yeah. Well, Haley, thank you so much for your time. Uh, this has been tremendous and you are, you are a big uh, encouragement to me and to Nikki. And I appreciate you and your, your entire family very much. And I know you're doing much good in the world. So keep doing what you're doing. Keep that I can do mentality. And um, we definitely will do as much as we can to, to help out as well. Well, I thank you and Nikki for modeling um, your example um, as in your walks with the Lord in your marriage and as um, as parents and as friends, the fellowship that I am so blessed to have in, um, in just in, with Nikki as a sister in Christ is um, is one of the greatest gifts. So thank you for loving her. Um, <laughs> I've continued prayers for her healing journey and just thank you for shining your light for all that you do. Um, to keep us all encouraged. Um, it is, it is a gift as well. So proud, proud to be in your corner. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Take care. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this episode. I hope it's been a benefit to you. Be sure to check out my website, benjaminlee.blog. You will be able to find a number of motivational blogs that deal with faith, family, fitness, and food, and also now with social media. You'll also be able to find all my podcasts there and also now apparel. I can do apparel. So if you're looking for some workout shirts or something else, be sure to check it out at benjaminlee.blog. And remember, I can do and so can you.